You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And, you know, these days I've been feeling like I just need a squad of warriors just to kind of follow me around these days with all this that's being thrown at us. And, you know, if I was going to put my squad together... I would have to start it with my guest today because her sword skills are unmatched. And before I introduce her, I want to talk about the show she's on first. Um, she is on Warrior and is going to premiere October 2nd on Cinemax. She plays a toy and she is a, a madame for a brothel. And at first you hear that and you're thinking, oh, what kind of, because I think that's what she wants you to think, that it's not a lot of competition going on and she's going to kind of hide behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, she's got a surprise for you guys. If you have not checked out the series, you definitely need to get ready to come up for season two. And so I'm glad to have her. And I'm talking about Olivia Chang. And she is also a Canadian actress and a broadcast journalist. And you've also probably seen her on Netflix, Marco Polo. So Olivia, welcome. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So I got to start with the very at the top here and just figure out how did you even become involved in Warrior? Like, what was that yes call for you for um, for a toy? You know, I think the biggest yes card for me was the fact of who was involved. You know, it's, it's, it's not only a Bruce Lee legacy project that has the blessing of his daughter, Shannon Lee, and very much has her, um, um, you know, uh, fingerprints all over it. Um, but it's also backed by Justin Lin, who for so many Asian North Americans is someone that we all respect so much for the inroads he made on behalf of our community in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And then Jonathan Tropper, who, you know, comes from being this best-selling novelist to this incredible showrunner behind, you know, one of the biggest guilty pleasures I would hear people in the industry talking about, Banshee. So... I think it was my trust in the team and the fact mm -hmm. that it was housed, you know, within um, Cinemax and the HBO family that kind of made me take the leap of faith because I think what a lot of people don't understand is when we sign these contracts and we sign up for five seasons, we don't actually know what they plan to do with our characters. We don't know right. where we're going to go. So it's a huge leap of faith. And I'm really glad that I, you know, bet on this team. Yeah, because you guys, by the way, if you guys, like I said, um, you guys haven't checked it out, it will really encourage you to find that warrior spirit because it's so awesome. The things that it talks about, um, for listeners that don't know, um, it is addressing the 19th century gangs, um, gang wars in San Francisco and Chinatown. It's also addressing a lot of the issues of Chinese immigration. And so, um, Olivia, I want to ask you what, I guess in maybe researching for your character or maybe being on set, was there anything historical wise that kind of shocked you that you were surprised to find out about that century or about what was going on in that time period? No, because I, I already have been such a history buff. My, my production company is actually named La Cantadora Productions, um, which I got from uh, women who run with the wolves by uh, Dr. Uh, Clarissa Pincola Estes. And in, mm -hmm. she describes the term as like, there's a musical songstress quality to it as well, but she defined the term as the keeper of old stories. And I've been someone who's been so drawn to history and I have learned so much about Asian American and Asian Canadian history out of my own interest. I think because I was trying to understand my own place in modern society and questioning, well, why do people have assumptions about me before they know anything about me before I've actually earned any of those 
beliefs, good or bad. Mm, so I yeah. think I'm, I've always been someone who's kind of looked at history to, to, to understand, okay, well, if there's a perception about a certain community, where does that come from? So, you know, for Warrior, I was already very familiar with the world it was set in. I was very excited to bring that world to life as a history nerd, you know, for Asian American history. Um, I already knew who Atoy was. And in fact, when I first was exposed to her, it was actually because um, I was helping friends tape for Warrior because they were searching for the middle. Oh, wow. Earth. So yeah. I, I read it and I was like, Atoy. But I was like, no, wait a minute. If this is happening in 1878, four years before the Chinese Exclusion Act, this can't be about the real Atoy because she she existed more in the 1850s. Um, and then, of course, I found out later that this is our fictionalized version of the real Atoy. And I was super excited about that because the real Atoy was arguably the first Asian to ever use the U.S. court system to protect her business and her assets before there was some law that was changed that included the Chinese with Latinx, Blacks, and Indigenous peoples to not allow them the same um, uh, uh, abilities within um, litigation. Mm-hmm. So the real Atoy was boss. And um, our fictionalized version of that, you know, yes, at first glance, She's a madame, and you might think, "Oh, okay, this is this is going to be another hypersexualization of an Asian woman on screen." And then, as it goes on, especially I think in season two, you know, she just really—I hope—audiences really feel like she becomes so much more of a complex, conflicted, and flawed character who's just human. Yeah, and the, and speaking of which, the the revolution she when she first when the words came out of her mouth that she was going to use a brothel within that brothel to you know start a revolution. Yeah. She was working the network. I was I was just shocked. Like I was just sitting there, like did I did I just hear that? Maybe I need to rewind it a little bit revolution because, like you said, born in brothels, yeah, and bar rooms. Yeah, it it because it it started and it's very like you said it's a very I love the way she's very stealthy about it. Um, because you, like I said, you think in a brothel, you're thinking, okay, we're going to see this over-sexualized. I don't want to go, you know, you're already halfway into some of the season or halfway in some of the episode before you meet her. And you're like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of, you know, um, people of color in America. It's like all of this stuff. Sometimes you feel like you're just weighed down by it and you see it over and over again. But to see her twisted and put a revolution on it and say, hey, no, this is what we're going, this is what they're going to see, but I'm going to do this behind the scenes was really, I thought it was really cool. About about the character, she's a disruptor. You know, yeah. They they, yeah. they made this they made this Atoy a visionary, a disruptor, um, a cultural revolutionary. Um, you know, in today's lingo, we might call her an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also really understood that. You know, I think like so many people of color or people from marginalized communities, you're so aware, you're so hyper aware of who's in the room and what mm-hmm. place is. Yeah. Whereas if you have power and privilege, you don't even know how much power and privilege you have. So I think the fact that Atoy understands that she is seen a different way or she's seen a certain way and that she's undermined because of it, she uses that to her advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And And what? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, cause you mentioned advantage and I want to talk about this sword. Cause she, I don't, I never know how she's going to come out of the scene with this thing. And I'm like, how does she do it? Like every time you yeah. never know, like what the right, you know, it's like just the right stab position, the right accuracy. And you're like, how does she do it? So I'm putting you on the spot here. So, you know, I'll totally take if you, if you have no idea, just be like, why'd you even ask me this? But do you know, like what kind of weapon is she using? Like what kind of sword is it? And what, like, what was the training? Are you training on that? Like constantly while you're on set? I was training on that constantly while I was on set because, you know, I, I mean, I never actually took martial arts training in earnest until I was cast on Marco Polo. And suddenly, you know, they were so big on the actors doing their own stunt scenes, yeah. you know, kind of like the, 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 the Chinese cinema uh, tradition of, of, of that, um, that mm-hmm. we were just like breaking our backs to sell our characters. And it was my real first exposure into the action genre, which I love. Um, 
So I was a gymnast before. So, you know, it gives you a real good sense of um, body awareness. Yeah. Um, and then my stunt double um, uh, was a girl named Tong Yao from China. And she actually was my stunt double in my a season of Marco Polo and both my seasons of Warrior. Oh, so wow. I trained okay. with her at least three times a week because, you know, what I love about the action in Warrior is that all of the different fight styles and physicalities very much come from and are tailored to the personalities of the characters. We're all mm-hmm. really different. Like if you really want to yeah. like nerd out and look at it, we're all really different. And Atoy, she's the only female fighting, like she's the only female fighting on the show. And yeah. mm-hmm. she is quick, she's efficient, and she doesn't suffer fools. And I don't think it's that she enjoys doing what she has to do. I think she sees it as a necessity. Mm -hmm. And I think she also understands that as a woman, she doesn't have a physical advantage over men, let alone multiple men. So stealth and surprise is one of her key weapons. Um, So to have a few moves because, you know, she's going to be efficient because she can't risk being overpowered by her target. Mm -hmm. um, I constantly trained because I wanted and needed those moves to look so effortless. Um, so Olivia, the actress, it was not effortless for, but for Atul, it had to look like yeah. been, it had to look like such an extension of her emotion and an extension mm-hmm. of her anger and an extension of her need to protect her people and be seamless in that way. Yeah. Cause, and you can definitely tell like that just very well played on your part because you can see the switch I feel like, like you can, you can see her, you can see it where, you know, like you don't, like I said, you don't know where she's going to come from. You don't know exactly how this is going to go down, but you can see something change in her when she gets pushed to that limit where she's like, okay, I need to do something about this. They're not, they're not hearing me on this other level. So I need to come at them a different way. Yeah. You know, she's someone, and I don't know how much of season two you've seen, but there's something, I don't, I don't think I'll be giving anything away. There's, there's just this moment where she straight up says something to another mm-hmm. one of the characters. Like they'll never believe, no one is ever going to believe that I'm the swordsman. You know, she knows. Oh, wow. Yeah. She, yeah. That's true. Yeah. She, she completely, and, and, and so much of finding this character, like I felt like I got mathematical down to when I would blink because mm, so yeah. much of her is mask. And so much of where she's found is the stillness Mm-hmm. Because she does not give, you know, anything away. But at the same time, that doesn't mean she doesn't feel. She feels very deeply. Mm-hmm. It's just that in a world that is so Machiavellian, that is so misogynistic, and then you intersect that with racism um, and economic oppression. And I think it makes sense that Atoy has to keep her cards so close because she just is constantly having to calculate in the way that people who aren't in power have to do how to make the next best move and not giving her hand away. Yeah. And I like that. She's not like you said, I like that. She's very, it's not about, it's just not all about her. Like you can tell she's always trying to support um, you know, whoever she can help some of the women in the, in the brothel, um, a, um, Assam who I'm like, why doesn't he ever listen to her? It always gets, it always gets down to like the end part. I'm like, I'm like, what is Assam doing? But it's like, it's cool to see you guys' relationship, you know, how she's always trying to help about. And then like, she brings them back from, um, what is the, um, the Chinese oh, the boxing? Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was just like, how does she do that? But Assam, I'm like, I'm sure Assam is not going to learn. I feel like he's not going to learn. I haven't got too too deep into season two, but we'll see. But I feel like she's always coming to his rescue. And I'm like, you know, I don't know what he would do if a toy did not show up. Well, which and, she does. And, and I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing that up because it was something really mindful on the part of the producers. And, you know, like, look, I have so much fun working with Andrew Koji and, you know, he, 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 he's so kinetic and he is, you know, he, he's, he's such an actor who, who moves energy in a room. And, mm-hmm. and, and, um, there were some scenes in season one where I kind of played it like eye for an eye. So like, he's yelling at me and I'm yelling back. <laughs> yeah. And, Cause it was fun. You know, it was sort of fun to just, 
just mm-hmm. like rah, 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 kind of thing. Right, um, right. But, you know, I had at least two conversations after that with Jonathan Tropper, who was like, no, she's, she's the mentor and she has to be above. She has to be more mature. Mm-hmm. You know? She has to not be um, shook by his immaturity and his self-destructive ways. Cause she's, she's above that. So, um, you know, I, I, I think I really thought about that and, and, and still had to be course corrected a little. Cause, um, you know, it's just sort of fun to yell sometimes. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder if you guys have fun doing that sometimes, especially like when you're thinking about the subject matter and what you guys are trying to, you know, let the viewers know and inform them about, I feel like that has to be like such a great, great moments where you guys get to yell and kind of release a little bit. Well, and, and that's what I love about our show is there's actually so much information there. Like mm-hmm. it is yeah. the scene and, 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 and you go, wait a minute, that, that happened. You, you, you can, you can, you know, do an internet search and find out so much about, Asian American history and find the parallels between what, you know, that community went through, um, that I think other communities can go, well, oh my gosh, well, that reminds me of what happened here in our community and the lynchings that happened here in this community, um, Mm -hmm. the fires that were set and the looting that happened over here for that community, how this community, you know, like there's, there's so much universality in, in, in our show, but we presented in a really fun, entertaining way that completely subverts so many expectations. And I love that Atoy, you know, especially in season two, because, you know, when you're finding your footing on a show, you you always just get better as you get to know the characters in the world more. And Mm -hmm. Atoy's fashion was very, very well thought out because Atoy's brothel and her fashion was always meant to represent the future. Mm, Okay. Her, you know, a lot of our wardrobe choices don't make sense, which I kind of love. You know, it, it's why it makes it an it, an untraditional period piece because we break so many rules. Yeah, it, it's very cool. Yeah, yeah, it's high, it's high stylized pulp. It's like mm-hmm. things of New York meets you know us. And, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, uh, but Atoy's fashions they don't make any sense for that time, but that was a very purposeful choice because she's the character that in, that embodies vision. She's the character that embodies, you know, um, the, the, the disruptor energy because Mm -hmm. she's thinking ahead to, you know, there's, there's, um, an indigenous saying about what if you made every choice thinking about how it impacted the next seven generations? Wow. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what Atoy's role is. And, you know, and I had some conversations with Shannon Lee last year, um, about how she really wanted to explore female strength and how female strength, um, truly looks, you know, not, not like, Oh, you know, this is a revenge film. So we're going to give a chick in a tank top and short shorts and, 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 and put an AK 47 in her hands. And she's going right. to, she's going to blast and blow up her attacker, mm-hmm. you know, like that's yeah. like a male idea. I think of, of, of how women should look if they're being strong. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's like, I think, um, the, the, the strength of the female principle is healing and holistic and community and allyship. And I think you see a little more of that too, in season two. And what, um, and I'm curious too, what kind of feedback are you, have you been getting from fans? Have you gotten kind of interesting feedback about, um, just like, you know, anything they didn't know about, um, uh, you know, Asian culture or, you know, just, just, uh, cause I, like I said, it's very, it's very cool how the cast is portrayed, which is the, the diversity that you don't get to see all the time, which is amazing. Um, you, like you said, the women, what, what is some of the feedback? Have you got any kind of feedback from your character about your character? I have, uh, you know, <laughs> It's funny. I was, I was sometimes, most of the time when people meet you, they're very respectful and tentative about imposing on your space. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find hilarious and I love is when you get a warrior fan and they recognize you and they confirm that you are indeed who they think you are, who you are indeed who they think you are. Yeah. Like they just go off into their <laughs> own world. And it's not even about me. It's like, I become this captive audience and they launch into like their dissertation on warrior and it's so thoughtful and they're kind of like the way you're doing it's like they they recall very specific scenes they recall specific lines 
And it's, it's really gratifying because, um, you can not one, you can really see that genuine connection and passion for the show and the themes. And two, especially when it's a non-Asian fan who walks up to me, it's really gratifying to hear them say things like, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that your guys's community went through this. I didn't know that there were so many different kinds of Asians, you know, Mm -hmm. Chinese, Korean, Japanese, Filipino, Vietnamese, like all these, you know, because we, 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 we have so many Asians across a varied diaspora represented on our show, all playing Chinese, but all our backgrounds are so different, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, in, in in that sense, it's been really really gratifying. Yeah, and I'm and I'm gonna second that because I'm not Asian and I did learn a lot from this and I that's why I was a huge fan of the show because I love it when there's a mix up when there's diversity when they show us something different that we're not used to seeing and you do a phenomenal job as a toy. Thank you so much. Um, but I want to because I want to I want to change it a little bit because we're gonna nerd out a little bit here because Let's you did listen action. And I love action myself. So I want to know, is there like a dream, like action franchise, action yes. movie you want to be in? Yes. So tell me, tell me all the funness. Tell me all the stuff. Okay. I, I, I don't mean to be like really creepy or anything. Because you know, sometimes. No, people, no. Oh, we go ahead and get hype. All the nerds need to hear this. Go all ahead. Right, all right. Okay. Um, the Old Guard with Charlize Ooh, Theron. Yeah. Number, number one, Charlize, yeah. Charlize Theron in anything. Like, come on. Mm, um, yep, as, yep. as a female action star, come on! Yeah, now, that was yeah, that's amazing, amazing. I, yeah, I, I watched her sequence in Atomic Blonde like three times, trying to look for the edit. You know, mm-hmm. when it's like thrown down the stairs. Like, yep. I, I, I know they must have done some like swap out and like some kind of, you know, like. But the it had to be. Yeah, I can't find it either. But I see right. what you're saying. It had to like be. Yeah, that, that is like a 10 minute sequence where they're just going at it. And it's kind of funny because there's a point in Atomic Blonde where Charlize and her attacker, they just both get so tired that it's almost this truce while they're both <laughs> resting yeah. and trying to recover their breath. And then they fight again. And I'm like, I want to do something like that. And mm-hmm. I love the old guard. I, I thought it was so well done. I I love that the hope for Charlize Theron's um, character is embodied by a young black woman who mm, does a yeah, phenomenal yeah. job, right? The actions mm. off the hook, the, the the questions that they bring up around ethics and morality and just the beautiful storyline of like sometimes, and I think it's so important right now too, right? It's like, there's so many yeah. there with this racial reckoning. We We are all sort of, you know, feeling called to, do something and sometimes mm-hmm. you do something and you have no idea if it's having any impact. Right. And I love that the old guard showed that, you know, you may not see it right away. You may not see it ever, but you have to trust that it's there, you know? Yeah, and that, yeah. And that her impact was actually felt like in a, it took a few generations, but the people she saved went on to, you know, have these families and, 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 you know, have a lineage of people who change the world and Mm -hmm. that value for the individual. I mean, I just, I just love the old guard. So that would be a franchise. Um, you know, Gina, if you're listening, I don't mean to creep you out, but I just thought you did such an amazing job. Um, you know, uh, what other franchises, um, uh, you know, something like the Hitman's bodyguard, I, I oh would, yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I would love to do an action comedy, you know, and and get to oh be, yeah, right? yeah, I can see be, you in that, yeah, you know, and and get to you know how it's always like the buddy buddy, and you usually just see mm-hmm. men doing the buddy buddy, and mm-hmm. you know, you saw Reese and Sophia uh, Reese Witherspoon and Sophia Vargas um, do the buddy buddy thing. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and, and so it's like, can we see more of that? Or I think we saw Sandra. Um, oh my God. Uh, uh, I'm blind. Oh, Melissa McCarthy. Sandra yeah. Bullock. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You know, and I, I'm like, I want to, I, I would love to do like action comedy and get to do my version of like something buddy, buddy. Yeah. I just hope they let you bring along the sword. Cause that'd be cool. I listen, I, I, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will gladly pick up a, 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 a new weapon. <laughs> you know, any, any day, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad I sold that sword to you because my friend, it was, it was not a natural weapon for me. 
Yeah, I mean, I just think it's the coolest thing. And I don't know if it's just because, I mean, it's cool too because it's just like women kicking ass, but it's just the coolest thing. I was like, like the way she comes out of the scene, because I think when I first saw it, I wasn't expecting it. So yeah, I'm hoping when you get into your action franchises, it's somewhere, it's somewhere in your weapon uh, repertoire that you got to pull out. That would be pretty, yeah. I Look, from 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 your mouth to the universe. <laughs> well, I hope so. We're going to keep our fingers crossed. I'm also hoping that I'll get you back sometime, you know, when season two is out and we talk about it or whatever else you got coming up next. Any, um, oh, are you asking me what else I have come out or? Oh, yeah. Hey, if you want a teaser for us, we'll take it. If you want to give it to us, we'll take it. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, well, first of all, anytime you want to talk about season two, I'm happy. I'm so happy to nerd out about season two. I'm so um proud of, 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 of what we put down and how much deeper we go. And Mm -hmm. honestly, just how topical it is right now with the themes of, you know, politicians pitting people, uh, marginalized communities against each other, the uptick in xenophobia, you know, Mm -hmm. everything that's going on right now with COVID-19 eerily reflects what's coming out in season two. So, um, it's really, um, um, important i think for me to 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 have abilities and 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 opportunities to talk about it so anytime anytime ryan um and in terms of what i've got coming out i i can't talk fully about all of it yet Um, i got yeah i got i got cast in something that um i think will appeal to a lot of you know the 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 nerds out there but um that's cool yeah the casting announcement hasn't come out yet and we're just waiting for the set to reopen for, for, for um, me to start up. Cause I've not filmed one day on that project yet. Um, but so mm-hmm. something's coming out. And then in the meantime, I'm just working on expanding behind the cameras. So hopefully okay. one day, not too far in the future, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be able to have some announcements on that end. Um, um, you know, fingers crossed. I've, I've, I've I've never worked behind the camera like this. So, oh, we can't wait. That's a good. I love that tease. That's a great tease. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you again, Olivia. I really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, you stay safe. Everybody listening, stay safe. And I will talk to you guys very soon because I got more coming. Bye. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will return in just a moment. The Salon with Lala Milan is a new podcast that I think you are going to love. You might already know Lala from her viral videos on Instagram and TikTok and her infamous parodies on YouTube. And if you have not seen her content, stop the podcast right now. Go to her TikTok, go to her YouTube, go to her Instagram, check the videos out. They are hilarious. They are funny. She is so entertaining. You know, she's not only this hilarious actress and comedian, she's also an expert on giving beauty tutorials and fashion tips, and her and her squad are known for unfiltered conversations and savage pop culture gossip. I mean, it's just like at the beauty salon, right? Her podcast, The Salon, is all that and more. Lala and her guests will talk about sex, relationships, situationships. We've all been there. And they covered the latest trends in beauty, juicy celeb gossip, and everything in between. Just like at the salon. So metaphorically, you're having the real beauty salon experience. Whether you're getting your hair done, you're getting your nails done. This is a COVID-free experience of listening to gossip while having that sort of beauty experience and listening to these great beauty tips while listening to some juicy celeb gossip and hearing all of the tea. Listening to Lala gives us all the laughter and advice that we need right now. And trust me, we all need a little bit of laughter in our lives right now. And nothing is off limits at the salon. So this is something that I know I need in my life. Check out the salon with Lala Milan right now in Stitcher, Apple, or your favorite podcast app, And make sure to subscribe, y'all. Welcome to the Black Girl Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And I told you guys to keep listening and stay tuned because I have a surprise. I am now on this warrior kick. And I'm so excited as a fan that I get to continue to talk to these, to the lovely cast 
so many different warriors on this show. So just to catch you up in case you're not aware, October 2nd, Warrior is going to debut its second season on Cinemax. So I'm very excited to continue, like I said, to talk to the cast. Today I have Diane Doan with me. And she plays... Hi, how you doing? See, she she's already, she's professional. She's oh. trained in the interview. She's already jumping in. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. No, no, no. It's all it's all good. We love to hear from you. Um, But I just want to give them a little background just because they don't know. You play Mei Ling, and she is the head of the Long Z. And I'm telling you guys, you'll want to mess with her. Like, I'm, I've seen her tussle in a room with some guys that I'm like, oh, man, I'm glad it's not me. So she is doing her thing on Warrior. Um, for you Disney fans, though, just in case, you might know her as Lonnie from Descendants um, and Descendants 2. So just to give you a little background on there. But, Diane, you already said hi to us, but I want to say hi again because I'm super excited to talk to you. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me today. All right. So tell me, what was it about Maylene? Like, what do you love about like, Maylene and being a part of Warrior at this point? Oh, well, you know, as an Asian actress, I've never really gotten the opportunity to play someone like Mai Ling who, who you know, fights for and, and, and needs that power in her life. A lot of, I mean, I don't want to bash on anything, but a lot of characters, especially Asian females, you know, we're, we're kind of always the girlfriend or, or over hypersexualized and, and to play mm. a character who kind of fights and, and takes that power for herself. I've, I've never been able to play a character like that. So of course I jumped right on it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's cool. Tell me a little bit about being, I guess you're um, a little bit about the feedback you've gotten back from women, like you said, um, Asian or just, you know, just women in general, um, where it's just, cause like I said, you're the, so you're the leader of the long Z, um, that is kind of trying to basically, I, I would see you as the head of where all these other gang leaders want to be. They're all kind of fighting with each other, but then it's like, you come to the table and you're like in the center, so to speak. And you're having to deal with all these, these, you know, guys with the egos and just some of them are just straight up, just crazy. Like we don't know what direction they're coming from <laughs> and you're having to get in front of them and you're like okay, look, this is how it's going down. This is what I'm saying. But you're a woman having to do all this. You know, now I personally, by, uh, bias of this, feel like women should be in charge anyway. But tell us about being able to play that on screen and what, um, you know, like what feedback you've gotten for women to be able to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, the feedback that I've gotten is a lot of, a lot of women are, especially, you know, female Asian Americans, my friends who are fellow actors as well, they're just mm-hmm. so kind of excited to see a character this well-rounded um, on screen and to be played by a woman. But, you know, a lot of the fans, I'm the villain. I'm I'm kind of like, you know, that power-hungry, um, overachiever, kind of like creates chaos in the world. And, and I'm kind of seeing mm-hmm. that villain. But how I see it, it is a woman in Chinatown trying to survive. And yeah. means and ways of doing it isn't always conventional, but the bottom line is she's fighting for her people and, and this is how she, she doesn't want to be the bottom of the barrel. She doesn't want to be, you know, in the brothels because a lot of the times the women in, in that era, if you're coming over to America, you're going to be a prostitute in a brothel. And, and so you, you meet characters like Atoy, who is the she's the owner. She is the, the madam. And, and so she's found her power within Chinatown as well, not having to adhere to a man necessarily. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is my ling as well. Yeah. And talk a little bit about, um, working with, um, with, um, Andrew on this as well, um, in Assam and Maylene and this brother and sister dynamic that is just so interesting to me because, you know, Assam, he stresses me out a lot watching the show. Um, Cause I'm like, you know, it is, you know, not to give him a hard time cause he is just badass fighter, but it's just like on the other side of things, it's like you have your sister here and it's just like, well, what is he going to do? And it's just that torture of that, that back and forth of, you know, will they, will they ever get to come together or is it just too much bad blood like going mm-hmm. on between them? So mm-hmm. what's that dynamic like to play? Well, first of all, Andrew Koji is my brother. I mean, you know, I call him bruv. He calls me sis. <laughs> we joke that his mom has officially adopted me. I mean, we're, we're family. We really are. And I, I think that's the beauty of this show is it's brought these, you know, lifetime relationships, these long lasting relationships into, into 
our lives. Cody uh-huh. himself is, I mean, he's a beast. He really goes, he, he, he takes his work so seriously. I mean, he completely transformed his body into what you see on screen. I mean, uh-huh. you know, that is that is literally blood, sweat, and tears. That it, It's under there, but it, he didn't come like that. So I've, I've witnessed, you know, the countless hours in that stunt tent just working and working hard. And he does a lot of his own stunts. I mean, if not most of his stunts um, and, and being able to play on screen, you know, when we have those scenes together, that's just a bonus because it's so much fun to work with him. We never know what's going to happen. I mean, those words are there on the page, but it's, it's dynamic when, when I get to work with him, it's, it's great. And, and, you know, everything that's happening right now with, with him mm. And Snake Eyes coming out and what's next. I mean, this is all well-deserved. He's incredible. And I want to ask you, too, also the scene at the end of season one, or sort of at the end of season one, um, with the the boxing ring. What were your, like, I guess, what was Diane's take on seeing Maylene, her her choice of what she did, um, as far as, like, the Assam was concerned and how that, how that value ended? I mean, because obviously she's on top with that now, but I was kind of thinking like, well, maybe Megling didn't sort of mean that for her like that. <laughs> well, you know, family aside, I my Ling, I I took Koji or Assam aside and 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 you know gave him the opportunity to walk away, walk away from the Tom, mm-hmm. away from Hopway, because I knew what was coming. You know that that fight was to establish Long Z on top of Hopway, and unfortunately. Assam didn't leave and he is the power in that in that tong so it became Leong versus Assam my brother versus my partner and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the audience you know that was such a amazing fight regardless you know what Brett Chan our son coordinator did and what Koji and Joe did um that was what killed the relationship between Myling and Assam definitely i mean the fact that i was okay with seeing him dead but we have to remember that I gave him the opportunity to leave. I, I told him, if you go through with this, mm-hmm. it's not going to end well. And season two is a lot of him trying to not seek revenge, but but try to hurt me because of what he did. And, and a lot of season two was me trying to mend that broken relationship and to get my brother. And do you think... Yeah, and do you think we do we get to see like any kind of fun moments? Um, I've saw I've saw a little bit of season two where it kind of opens up and it's just like, ooh, a lot of tension between them. Do we get any like light? Do you think we get any lighthearted fun moments going to season two, or is it just they're straight to business because they're pretty they're pretty serious about what's going on? There is there is a lot of I would say Myling, you know, giving you know that 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 white flag that olive branch, you know, trying to make men's with him. Um, but what's done is done. And I think Assam is, is a very hard headed character. And I'll just say this at the end of season two, it's, there's a zinger, something happens and it just kind of, it's fun. You know, Ryan, this is such a fun season. Mm-hmm. And what, um, tell me a little bit about, cause you've, you've got to play a little bit, um, as far as, um, like the stunts and everything. Talk about you guys doing your own stunts. Do you have any like exciting fighting scenes coming up that we get to see you kind of play more with the weapons and everything? So look, with power comes men. And I feel like because <laughs> I am the head of the long Z, I got in a lot of arguments with Brett, our stunt coordinator, and even our writers, you know, JT, Brad Kane. I would always mm-hmm. go to them being like, give me something. You know, I'm in the stunt tent every day. I'm, I'm training with the guys as much as I can. Give me something to do. But, you know, I have my muscle. Leong is my muscle. You know, last season we saw arguably me get my ass kicked by Bolo. Um, but yeah, I feel like in a position of power, I don't have to necessarily exert too much. I have people to do that for me. Yeah, I do like the way she does. She does know how to throw out her muscle, which I, I can appreciate that. Know how to use like what you have. So she does like you're right. She doesn't exactly have to step up and fight and do all that. By the way, what it, with um with uh, Zilong, what do you guys what do you see about the relationship between them? Because it's very interesting. You know, she's her, he's the bodyguard, protector, but you they also have the romantic relationship going on. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering, I'm like, the more power she gets, 
Uh-huh. Is it going to be like, well, do I still do I still need him there? Like, is it is he going far enough? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I love that. I love that you spot that. Um, you know, I think in season one, you you see that my Ling and Li Yang were very much on the same level. You know, I'm I'm the Tong leader's wife, and he's the main the muscle in it. He's the right hand man, and throughout that season one, I kind of move above him, becoming the leader and taking over that role but we're still seen as equals. I think in season two, that relationship is definitely tested. You know, she, Leong sees me do questionable actions, you know, my decisions Mm -hmm. leader, he doesn't always agree with. So there's that tension of like, is that bridge being burned? Can he trust me? Can I trust him? Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot with that relationship and, and the dynamics of that, because you're right. I'm a woman in power and, do I need him? I think I do because my Ling is so isolated in that world. She's so alone. She has no one. She doesn't have a brother. Um, yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's me wanting to hold on to whatever relationships I can. Yeah. So we're going to put away, we're going to put away like the sharp swords and knives and stuff. Cause she did take, she did take out long Z. So I was like, well, I, was, I was shocked by that one. <laughs> oh, there's, there's still some fun in Okay, okay, okay. Because I was like, I was gonna say that was a that was like a cool moment, but yet shocking moment at the same time for right. me in, in in the first season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it shocked a lot of us. That was when they wrote that. It was you know that was a heavy day to play over and over again. Because mm. Henry, who plays Long Z, I mean, he was such a yeah. It was a hard day. Yeah, yeah, he is amazing. Yeah, I've seen him a lot of stuff. He's pretty amazing. Um, but let's talk about too. What about the wardrobe? How do you feel? Is that is the stuff that you're wearing? Is that very functional for you to move around? And I know you're not doing a lot of, of uh, a lot of the fighting and stuff. Maybe not yet. But what do you feel about like your costumes? Does that help you get more into Maylene? Oh, definitely. I mean, Ryan, let me tell you, we would Olivia and I, you know, we would get picked up at three forty-five, four o'clock in the morning, get driven in, mm-hmm. two hours of hair and makeup. These are cool. Oh, wow. Quotes. They're like yeah. layers on layers of leather and we're shooting in the summer in Cape Town. It definitely puts you in that mood. I mean, you're Ooh, yeah. once you get in there, you're stuck for the rest of the day. I mean, to get in and out is is a lot. It takes a while. So the wardrobes are incredible. I mean, as much as this is a period drama, I feel like production really took a liberty on the female character's wardrobe. Maybe, you know, mm-hmm. Autoy and Myling specifically. We really got to be creative in that. And that sets the tone. I mean, you know, the difference between Autoy and these gorgeous gowns and these headpieces. And then you have Myling in season two, who's very like militarized. It's it's very, you know, suit jackets, strong shoulders. It's it, it definitely puts you in that in that mood. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious. I'm curious to see if a toy and Mei Ling will meet, like in 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 season two. I think that'd be an interesting meetup because it's both two women that kind of I feel like know where they want to go in life and kind of have these strong <laughs> positions. So that'd be cool. I I don't want to spoil anything, but you might see something like that. Yeah, and and I can't believe it took this long. I mean, Liv and I are, are great friends in real life, and I'm like, what is it going to take for us to actually work together on set? And um, it's it's fun. I'll just say that. Because again, very you're right. Two strong women. They've he she's on the hopway side, even though she's neutral, and I'm Long Z. So mm. there's that you know that tension, that the the attitudes, the passive aggressiveness. It's it's fun. It's really fun. Yeah, that's gonna be cool. I can't wait for that scene. It's gonna be cool. We just need this. We just need to throw in like mainly like just like a little knife or something. We need a little weapons in those scenes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did want to ask you though, um, did you have a favorite moment from season one? Because I want to spill, I don't want to make you kind of spill too much from season two. So do you have like a favorite scene from season one, favorite moment? Oh, um, I got to say the most dynamic, the most memorable scene for me would definitely be, you know, that, that fight with Bolo into the Long Z, into like, mm killing the long Z. I mean, that is yeah. probably a very prominent moment for the character. Oh, I'm sorry. That's annoying for the character even. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's yeah, that something was... that, that I've got to like, I'll remember forever. It was such a, a big day for the character turn story wise. And then, mm-hmm. you know, a heavy day emotionally as well. 
Yeah, well, I'm just, let me just tell you again, I'm excited for season two. I can't wait for people to check it out. Um, as we kind of transition here to kind of wrap up, I wanted to ask you, um, cause you've been very, um, open about, um, you're in, I think you said you're back in like another quarantine and you've kind of been sharing what you've been going through day to day. Have you picked up, like, have you picked up any cool hobbies or anything? Right. You're so sweet. Um, let me tell you this whole quarantine, whether it was in the States or where I am now or in Canada, I've never cooked more in my life. Um, I love cooking. It's it's really given me like a sense of ease because, you know, this stressful time, no one knows what's going to happen with, you know, mm-hmm. financially, with work, with our right. family, health. Um, I also adopted a dog. I've been caring. Oh, that's cute. Well. So, yeah, just anything, you know, I've been reading. I've been spending a lot of time with working on relationships, you know, building these strong female relationships. I've got a group of girlfriends that mean the world to me, you know, my family, it's put into perspective what's important. And as much as work is amazing and I can't wait to go back, it's also like, you know, these things that I put on the back burner are finally presenting itself. and, And I'm grateful for the time I've had with my family. Yeah. And this is like, now you're going to be like, Oh, how do I prioritize, prioritize all that? Cause it's like, now you got to just get to sit around. Like you said, it's a lot of self care, yeah. which is kind of the, you know, one of you have to pick out a silver lining from everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it'll definitely, it'll definitely be interesting once, uh, once things pick up and I'm hoping to start working on cooking cause I burn a lot right now. So I need <laughs> to find something that I can kind of do. Just patience, patience and effort. That's all. I mean, I'm not saying I'm a great cook, but if it's edible, that's, that's a win for me. Oh, exactly. Exactly. That's all I'm saying as well. <laughs> um, but can you tease? I know everybody's in the kind of in a little, you know, what's what are we going to do next? You know, you got to get your page longs of how we're going to even be on sets anymore. But do you have anything you can tease for us? Anything coming up? You know, I'm all I'm going to tease right now is Warrior Season 2. It's been a long time okay. coming. You know, we did that, God, almost more than a year ago. And I just can't wait for... Um, for what the audience is going to say. You know, before I was teasing something fun and that was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that just ended. So there's a lot of good stuff coming. And and yeah, I'm very grateful. Yeah, it'll be cool. It's going to be cool to see everybody, what everybody's been working on while they're in their like secret workshops, you know, away for quarantine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Diane, thank you so much. This has been fun. Thank you so much for talking to me. Ryan, thank you for your time. This has been great. And guys, remember, Warrior Season 2, Cinemax, you guys check it out October 2nd. And stay safe out there, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome to the Black Gunners Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan, and I am sad, but I'm excited because I'm wrapping up this cool episode I'm bringing you guys about Warrior that's premiering on October 2nd. Might already be out by the time you guys hear this. Um, Cinemax, so make sure you definitely check it out get ready but we are ending with Assam himself I've been bringing it up a couple times during the interviews that I've been doing in the past uh, for this episode and because I've been talking about how okay he's one of my favorite characters but he also stresses me out a lot because I get so nervous about his decisions in the show um but he's just he's super he's a super cool warrior though to watch so you just you got to check the show out if you haven't seen it I'm talking about Andrew Koji and I'm so excited he's joining me today Andrew how you doing uh yeah I'm I'm I, I'm, I'm I'm good thank you very much uh how 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 are you how are you doing I'm doing good I mean we're getting used to all this like it's like I should say nice to e-meet you because we're getting used to all this technology and stuff these days yeah I'm just seeing like a a sound uh thing just go across the screen like a like a heart monitor it's it's, it's interesting but I'm talking to a, a person uh, a consciousness on the other side of this so it's I'm talking to a screen <laughs> right now yeah yeah, it's weird. It's like, well, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying talking to the screen. Hopefully it doesn't get too weird. Hopefully we have a lot of fun by the time we get done. Yeah, this I think it's my first podcast too. I think I think it's my first oh, podcast. Oh, well, we're we're, we're glad yeah. you picked we're glad you picked Black Gurners then for it to be your first podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's it's nice to be here. All right, so thank you by the way for coming. So let's start with All right, so I know you have a background in martial arts, right? And you're also a stuntman. So did that kind of, did that pull you into this role of Assam? Is that what pulled you into the whole warrior world and fandom? Um, well, it's, it's skills that I had in my, in my pocket that um, came very uh, useful because uh, I, I think uh, martial arts um, and stunts, I kind of stopped around 20 
mm. I did one. I did one job on on fast when acting work wasn't um, coming. For, uh, uh, I wasn't getting much acting work at the time, and someone just called me up and said, uh, "Do you want to be a double on uh, Fast and Furious?" So I did that job around. I think I was twenty four or something like that. Um, so I, I hadn't done it for a while. So so luckily, uh, but because I did it for, s- for such a long time and quite intensely when I was young, uh, I, I just had to brush it all up for for this show and, and kind of get back into training. And, and it was like uh, riding an old bike kind of thing sometimes. Um, and yeah, I had to... I, I had to approach it in a different way as well. Because when I was a, a martial artist when I was young, I was... A, quite competitive and 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 very uh uh trying to do things that i probably shouldn't been able to do like all these different moves and all that (laughs) so i mean yeah i had to just bring bring all of that to the to the plate uh um, and it helped yeah and it's like and you're making it sound easy but martial arts all that stuff is now because when i was younger my dad got it in just because it was just me and my sister and he wanted us to be able to defend ourselves and it was just not like the way it's very like regimented and you know working your way through like what what um what style were you because i know it depends on like whether you go by belts different colors yeah i mean i i was i i I babbled a lot and so i started off i think well my dad Used to t- he used to do uh, study Kyokushinkai karate um, under actually mm-hmm. uh, one of the top guys at the time. He was Masoyama, um, so he he kind of started me off on the journey when I when I wanted to learn and I didn't know any of the schools or classes nearby. And then um, as um, I mean, I think you know, I was eleven or twelve. Um, I went to Taekwondo uh, and I studied that for about I'd say three or four years. Very. Uh, in depth but then I got injured I tore my butt in half um my, oh man yeah in a competition I remember we, we were we were having a uh um you know uh, competitive sparring or whatever and um, yeah sparring, yeah yeah and then right the, the last round I was winning and the guy was a belt like a whole belt and a half or something above me and I, I, I they just put me in that category um and uh, i was winning and the, my coach said just okay cool now you just this is the last round you just need to throw some flashy moves and then you can win the judges over and then and finish finish with style and i was like yeah mm. okay cool cool i'll do that and then um <laughs> i threw i threw an axe kick which uh, is a pretty dangerous kick to to throw if you haven't trained it because of the way the muscle uh comes down it's a lot of your hamstring and and stuff so i tore my ass in half um uh there and then and that kind of had to uh change that changed everything after that so that so i couldn't really continue taekwondo i couldn't walk probably for a year after that and then um oh, wow yeah i had to do rehab it it it, it, it uh, really changed uh it changed my whole body because because then it, it made my uh my hips uh, be out of alignment and my lower back problems and all that stuff um and so I had to kind of go into different martial arts. I went to Kung Fu and I, I, I trained Wing Chun for a bit. I, um, I, I kind of, I did basically stuck around Kung Fu. I dabbled in Muay Thai and a few other things. Uh, and then I did some, once I got better, my leg, my leg got better. I started doing acrobatic stuff. So that helped with, uh, the screen, screen fighting and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's been a long journey with, with martial arts, I think with me, um, in that respect. Yeah, and it's and you can really see that on screen too. And I think it's so cool how you guys get to um, partake in the stunts and stuff. For Assam, was there a stunt that you did, or was there a fight scene where um, you were like, "Okay, I'm, I might have shouldn't have attempted this. Like, I might have should have got a got a stunt double or got somebody else." Was it or like you pushed yourself way too hard and you're like, "Oh, maybe not that one." Um, season one, not so much. I mean, a lot of. TV uh, filming is endurance, so you gotta you, you can't go in like a um, what do you call it a short distance runner where you just sprint and you you know it's a marathon. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you got to keep your so not only are you filming maybe sixty plus hours a week and having to you know a lot of sleepless nights trying to learn your lines and go over the script and and and, and figure things out, um, but then you've got to and then obviously it's trying to stay in shape, and then on top right. of that. Yeah, you gotta you gotta balance your um, uh, your energy levels throughout the week. So if you're, uh, I might be filming a big fight scene um, uh, at the beginning of one week, but then I still have to remember that I've got the rest of the 
week to shoot and I've got to, I've got to be ready and fresh and to, to, to do the acting scenes. So that's what I learned so much in, in, in season two in particular, it wasn't so much like one particular uh, stunt or move that I, I was like, Oh, I, sh- I, I shouldn't have done that. It was yeah. uh, season two, the end of season two, um, there was a couple of fight scenes that were all uh, scheduled in very close proximity to each other. And by the time, Ooh, okay. yeah, by the time you, you see the end, the final fight in episode 10, season two, uh, I was, I was, I was knocking on heaven's door. My body was knocking on heaven's door. It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, my body just collapsed. It didn't work. I couldn't, I couldn't, um, I couldn't lift my leg to kick cause I was just so exhausted and so fatigued. Um, and then, I, I, we spoke to the producers. I had to, uh, dig deep as well and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and figure how how to do it and yeah that that was but that but but it turned out to be one of the most amazing teamwork experiences like they the the team brett chan dean um we all kind of pulled through and did that so it wasn't like one off a one-off shot it was just that moment it kind of because uh uh, it's a a marathon it's an endurance game when you're filming tv so that was the moment to me i was like oh god i need some help guys (laughs) like that yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that you're still going like you're saying this this epic fight scene towards the end because he's constantly fight like there's um Assam is starting off in the beginning just constantly fighting. Yeah. So I can't believe there's still more to go. So I I can't imagine like how your body must have felt. Yeah, like towards the end of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not like a you know like it's not like a a a, a bodybuilder who might have to who were training for six months. Yeah, to, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. two minutes. Yeah, you got to be you got to know that that's what each fight scene is just okay cool now i've got about a week to recover uh to 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 heal up this leg and to to, to work on these muscles and i've got to be ready for this fight scene so yeah it's it's very you got to be smart as well when you're filming which is a different now, skill. The other, right and the other thing too about the about the skills that you guys bring to these fight scenes and warrior um that i'm sure a lot of the fans appreciate it's there is there's a certain graphic level to these fight scenes like we know what we're going to expect when it comes out are, is that is that is there anything about that that's just I'm wondering just in general as far as just like I guess maybe I don't know if you would call it makeup but some of the effects as far as like the blood flying and everything does that ever get annoying like how long does it take you guys to set that up because <laughs> you can see Assam go through like 15 20 guys and it's just like blood over here there's a hand over here and I'm like I'm wondering like how much because I'm just thinking like TV time and how long you guys have to stretch it out how long yeah. it takes for you guys to film those scenes and to make it look so cool as it does. Yeah, well, I mean that's the amazing work of the the makeup artist Amanda Ross McDonald. She is she's uh she she helped me through season two as well so much, um, but yeah, I mean yeah, I think because of the world, isn't it? Like you know, so many Hollywood films they're getting these big fight scenes, and then by the end of it, they're mm-hmm. hard hairs out of place. You know, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah, it's true, yeah. Yeah, so it was this one it was like uh trying to a bit of realism like if you get if you if the guy gets punched in the face he's going to you're going to see it, you're going to feel it and and but I, I mean I, do you know what I think like as 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 an actor I guess it it just helps so much cuz you feel different you've got the prosthetics on your face and I, I mean in real life I've had a black eye before I've had a swollen lip I've um I've had well I've had two black eyes before uh you, you know and you feel different um mm-hmm. When yeah, you're, when you're a bit battered, and when you've got those prosthetics and stuff on your face, you kind of feel you can't quite open your eye properly, or it's <laughs> it's stuff like that, and you've got blood trickling mm-hmm. down. Um, it it, it kind of just it helps uh, to just uh, te- on a technical level to to make you believe in 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 everything. But the I, I find, apart from the sticky blood, I find it quite fun that part. The the. <laughs> <laughs> well i mean hey it's fun for us too as the fans like i love those those fight scenes are amazing that's one of the first things that drew me into the show is because you just want to see um and that's too part of the nervousness part of the fun of being a fan because you see Assam go through these things you're like oh my god is this the time where he pushes too far he does too much and you're like well does he come back from this um because that kind of leads me into season two one of the questions i was going to ask you was okay him going through these um different fights um his tie to the fung high is this do you think for him, is this building him to make him stronger or do you think he's going to hit a brick wall, so to speak, at a certain point where he can't, where he can't go anymore, where it's just like, he's done too much. I think, I think, um, I think even though, um, he's not that, uh, that wise warrior, like, um, 
uh, Bruce Lee, uh, his philosophies kind of um, are going are going for. Um, I mm. think he's got a warrior. He's got a spirit, a warrior spirit with him. Like he's got this fire in him that just won't give up, um, and he's willing to go through that pain because. I think he feels quite deeply about certain things. So I, I, I think that brick wall, he probably hit that brick wall, that initial brick wall in episode one, season one, where he thought everything was going to go to plan. And now he's, you know, he's in season one, he had to just figure out what, what the hell can he do now? Um, and I think season two is like more him trying to put things into plan and, and moving things forward. Uh, I think that he'll will he would eventually hit that brick wall Andrew, at some point. I don't think it's quite in season season two, even though there's certainly there's like emotional um, brick walls and and things that he's sm- smashing down. But I think, yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. I think like yeah, someone like him or that that, that character would would definitely um, has the chance to kind of just he he's ripe to be in a position where he might not be able to continue in a way i think if that answered your question yeah and do you and um and i guess part of following up on that for maylene do, what do you feel like they're going forward do you think there's any um reconciliation in their relationship or do you think when that chinese boxing scene went down the ending he was done you think there's any way in season two we can get to see them have a a cordial moment where it's not so tense <laughs> have you have you seen season two yet not yet or I've, seen, I've made it like halfway through so i'm hoping that's why i'm asking because i'm hoping as i go maybe i'll see something because right now it's so okay. tense from okay. what i've seen so far well let me try and not give it away to you uh uh, uh i i think from sam's point of view there is no going back he lost his sister um and he was almost grieving that i guess throughout season one and mm, uh yeah that, that kind of um that moment in the the tournament in, in season one, I think uh, when that happened, and I think if you were to think on a personal level, if that happened to you, if if, if a, a sibling of yours was to okay or give the thumbs up to your execution, I, I, I think that would be a very, very hard relationship to um, to save, really. Um, oops, mm-hmm. sorry, the computer. But um, yeah, so I mean, I think, I don't think he he's the kind of person who would, who would, uh, eventually kill her or, or himself um he wants to teach her a lesson for sure i, I yeah i think there's there probably is room for for hope at the end of the day if uh you know further down the story but yeah yeah it does it's it's like sad too but you get it you get it like after you see season one if you guys have a seat after you see season one you'll you'll get uh whether why the relationship is where it is going into season two um but another relationship a sam and a toy what is that what do you what do you take from what do you think that relationship means for a sam is that just somebody that he's just very lucky that's almost like a guardian angel that's just there to help him out a lot or do you think there's going to become like a a mutual uh benefit of that going into season two yeah, I think there. Um, let me just think about that one. That's a good question. Um, I think, yeah, at first she was a kind of uh, uh, a welcome, uh, a welcoming face, you know, a friendly face that you know uh, took a shining to him and uh, and uh, invited him into her world and to show him about. And I think because of his nature, he's quite rebellious. Um, maybe e- egotistical kind of nature that 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 relationship is is very hard like he doesn't want to be the apprentice or he doesn't want to be uh taught things or and he doesn't and i think he thinks that a toy um is doing things in the way that she knows uh how to do it and the, her best mm-hmm. way to handle it but it's not his way um so i think mm, they, okay. they yeah i think they become that they, they they um they're on their own journey, but they've got a similar cause, a similar, uh, uh, they're fighting for a similar cause. So, um, uh, yeah, so I think that's, I think that's where they kind of at. They're both such strong people, um, that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hard to kind of put in a room together <laughs> in a way. <laughs> yeah. But, and it's so, and it is so entertaining when you guys do see them together. Um, but yeah, so yeah, definitely if I have not said it enough, you guys check out, um season two coming out of warrior check out season one if you need to catch up um andrew as we kind of wrap up here i i wanted to kind of geek out with you about um about action movies because i 
Yeah. Yeah, because I think you would be like phenomenal. Like, I can't wait to see more stuff and I need to go play catch up once I make it through Warrior of all the action films or whatever you have coming up next. But okay, so I was I was looking through, I was going through, and I saw you could be in an action thriller called Bullet Train. Oh, how yeah. did that can you give us anything? I don't I know you can't, I don't know if you can spoil anything. I know Hollywood is still trying to figure out how we film things, but yeah. can you talk about how you got involved in the project? Anything like that? Yeah, that, well, that's kind of a funny story. That was uh, um my my um agent Meredith she she um forwarded me the script and I read it and I thought it was maybe a small independent I knew Sony was involved but I didn't know the names that were involved at the time so I read the script and I thought it was really well written script a very different kind of character to Assam but um and then I I I I thought maybe Sony had a small independent film section um so I read it and then and then later on I found out David Leach was directing it and Brad Pitt's part of it. And, and, and it, I was like, Whoa, I didn't realize this is this kind of this scale of this, this film. Yeah. And then I started to be able to picture it. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get this role. It's Brad Pitt. I'm not going to act with Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> you know, I, that, that never, that was never, you know, for, for ethnic, uh, you know, actors, it can be quite a tough industry. And sometimes you, you mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. certain people you'll never get to work with because of, the the genre or the the kind of films you, you know sometimes you don't think that you have an opportunity so when that happened I, I couldn't believe it I was uh, yeah it was it was I'm going I'm going to go all out for that role because uh, you know it's such a, an amazing opportunity so it was just crazy how it came about because I didn't know whose names were attached to it and uh, at first. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't think I'd get it because well, once I found out, I didn't think I'd get it because I was just like, well, this is, this is they're going to choose some big Japanese or someone star. Over there. And uh, yeah, that, that, I did my best for the, the self tapes and all that. And um, we seemed to get on and had a vi- similar vision for the character. And then, yeah, so I'm, I'm blessed. So yeah. Really- yeah i'm well i'm excited and i can't wait to see i think you do a fantastic in action thriller i'm kind of biased because i'm a warrior fan but i'm excited (laughs) to see what you're doing next what's coming up next and thank you so much for talking with me today thank you so much thank you thank you uh black uh listen to black girl nerds podcast i'll give you i'll give you a plug (laughs) you can use that i love that thank you thank you so much (laughs) i appreciate it and you everybody stay safe out there wear your mask and thank you and i will talk to you guys later thanks man The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.